And so if you would take your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And I want you to see this incredible verse. It's coming on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to pick up at the beginning of the first sentence of verse 17. This is Paul's prayer. He is the apostle of grace. He has given us the incredible words of chapter 2 that we have already studied. How he has made us alive. And it's all because of his great love. It's all because he's rich in mercy. Out of the boundless ocean of God's heart, we have been made alive and we are made alive by grace. Can you say amen? Now I want us to, to go a step further. I, I want to ask, is it okay for the Holy Spirit to convict us? We still believe in and need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I want that today. I have been under that grip all week long as I've looked into this passage. The grace messages have reached out to the heart that is unsaved. This message will do the same, but I think the stronger emphasis is to the person who's saved but maybe backslidden. It is quite possible to backslide. You don't have to. Now, I can remember being raised in church, and it was my immature understanding. It wasn't the way they taught it, but maybe just because I knew myself that it seemed like they said, you can't backslide and you should expect to. You don't have to backslide, but you can. We're going to find the power of God's love to us today. And I pray that the Spirit would be the voice behind my voice, the penetrating, powerful voice of God, that will arrest your heart and cause you to hear from God as maybe you've never heard from God. Paul said, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded, established in love, may have power together. He's talking to the church. May have power together with all the saints to grasp How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that an interesting phrase? To know that which is unknowable. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit work in us today. We invite your word to come with convicting power. May the love of God bring healing, deliverance, salvation, and reconciliation. We believe for it and agree and ask that we do not leave the way we came, but by the watering of your word in our hearts, by the the sheer power of the word of truth, that our hearts would be changed. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. If we're going to know that which surpasses knowledge, then we're going to have to experience something because we can't define it. We can't put it under a microscope. In other words, that Logos word that is written there about the love of God, that is the principle of God's love, has got to become a rhema word. Somehow this infinite statement has got to connect with our finite minds until the light comes on. 
and the transformational power of God's word comes alive and we actually know something that surpasses knowledge. Now letting the word of God help us to get there, I take you to an Old Testament story. It's the story of a prophet. His name, Hosea. Hosea is given a very unusual assignment. And that is to marry a lady. To marry a lady by the name of Gomer. Now that right there is an unusual assignment. When you have to marry someone whose name is Gomer. But she's also a prostitute. We're going to see this story today. It's between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. But it's also the story of God and Israel. God and his people. The activity of God speaking into the activity of Israel. And also the activity of our lives. God and us. Please listen on two levels. See that there actually was a man by the name of Hosea who was a prophet. Who actually married Gomer who was a prostitute. Very real story. But at another level... It's God and us. For you see, Gomer, her heart shifted away from her first love, from her husband. And she pursued other loves. And so Hosea prophesying, same as Israel did toward God, he shows us that she was adulterous. She pursued other loves. And it's interesting that God likens the pain he was feeling over what Israel was doing as the pain of a husband whose wife is in adultery. This gripping story shows us that sin is serious and that sin is still sin. And there is still a such thing as sin and that sin has consequences. That sin is an affront to God. That no one in this room is neutral. For God has created us. And we are created to know him and worship him. We all will worship something or somebody. If we are not worshiping God out of a heart of devotion, then we are like the adulterous woman of Hosea. If you once were walking with God, but the love for God is cooled off and You're on your own agenda and the things of God and the appetite for God is gone. Then I want you to see yourself. I want us to see ourselves through this story of Hosea and the prostitute. Adulteress showing us the seriousness of unfaithfulness. Could the Spirit convict us today that in America... God's people could be more faithful to him. Don't hear more faithful to church attendance. I will talk about hypocrisy in a moment. One of the the great things that we can use to cover our hypocrisy is church attendance. I do not speak of how many ministries we would be involved in or how many times we go to church. I'm talking about that heart devotion, that authentic love for God. Hosea says of Israel, Hosea says of his wife, she was adulterous, idolatrous. 
the joining nations to Israel all worshipped the Canaanite god called Baal, the rain god, the god of fertility, the god of prosperity. So Israel would join in trade agreements with these joining nations for goods and services. And they went on to sacrifice to their God. God's people now sacrificing to a false God. Pursuing other loves. Setting up idols. Idol worship is when we receive the gifts but forget the giver of the gifts. Here's an illustration. Hosea leaves his house. He goes to some neighborhood thinking that that's where Gomer is and he knocks on a door of some tenement building. A man answers the door and says, what do you want? He says, I'm Hosea. I'm I'm Gomer's husband. I'm concerned about her. I want to make sure she's taken care of. And I've brought some provision. Could you see that she receives it and could you tell her that I brought it? So Gomer receives the provision and she enjoys the gifts, but she forgets the giver of the gifts and expresses love that should go to Hosea to another. That is idolatry. Adultery, idolatry. And then hypocrisy. For if you read chapter 2 of Hosea, he prophesies how Israel would still hold their Sabbaths, their festivals, and their feasts. Their hypocrisy was idolatry robed in spirituality. They were on their way to forgetting God. They were cold in their heart, but let me put it in today's terms. They were still going to church. The doors would swing open on a Sunday and in would come the people. But they allowed things like their attendance to veneer hypocrisy. This is Hosea talking to his wife. This is God talking to Israel. This is God speaking to us. Now you would think, adultery, idolatry, hypocrisy, it's time to write her off. As we watch God make the next move, Hosea make the next move, surely we know the story. God is going to say, I'm done. Finished. You're hopeless. Too far gone. Done too much. You're in too deep. I want you to see what God says. It's coming on the screen. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. And I will lead her into the desert. And speak tenderly to her. Hosea's wife has been adulterous. She's faking it spiritually. 
She's receiving the gifts and forgetting the giver of the gifts. But instead of writing her off, Hosea says, I will win her back. Israel has forgotten the God who gave them houses they didn't build and vineyards they did not plant. Israel comes into their festivals and feasts, but their heart is not authentic toward God. They have committed spiritual adultery. And instead of writing them off, God says, I will allure Israel. I will win Israel back. I will lead her into the desert. When it says, I will lead her into the desert, it means I will create a situation where we have focused conversation. Oh, may that be happening right now. Has God created this very moment to have our attention so he can speak because he's drawing us. This is where Christianity differs from all other world religions. At this point, we would be on the pursuit if we wanted God. All other religions, you have to pursue the God of that religion. Notice Christianity, God is on the pursuit. That's overwhelming. On the pursuit... Oh, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Jesus came from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave. And he rose again because he was on pursuit. The whole study of the Old Testament is God trying to be with his people. Whether it's a burning bush, whether it's the tent of meeting, The Holy of Holies, God is constantly trying to connect with his people. God on the pursuit. Oh, are you starting to see a love that surpasses knowledge? A God who pursues us when we don't deserve it. God's opportunity for ultimate judgment. He turns it into an opportunity for ultimate grace. Grace. I'm coming after Israel. I will allure her. I will win her. I will attract her. That is your God. He hasn't given up on America. He hasn't given up on the church. There aren't any more problems in today's church than we find in the churches of Revelation. And God was working And alluring, trying to draw them back, call them back. Because God loves us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You would think he would have written them off. He says, no, I'll lead her. The word allure there is the word win. Notice just three things. He says, I'll win her, lead her, speak to her. You think I will forget her. I'll never speak to her again. I don't want to ever see her. He pursues, creates a meeting, and speaks. Someday I'll tell you the story of how Kelly and I finally got together. And I say finally because finally. (laughs) It was a pursuit. Persistence overcomes all resistance. Write it down.
her to the desert. I, I, he was creating a circumstance where they could talk. We were in college and I had figured out her schedule and I would position myself where I knew she would be walking by and I'd step out like, can you imagine us meeting like this? <laughs> Who would have thought? Had no idea you were coming down this. It must be God. On the pursuit, God is pursuing somebody in this room. My heart trembles that I would even be some kind of middleman between a compassion transaction of a holy God and a backslider. Instead of writing you off and saying, you've gone too far. God reaches for you today. It's interesting, not only does he pursue, but he says, I will protect. He says, I will protect you against the wild animals. I will remove the weapons from enemy nations. The protective love of God he says, I'll provide. It's the most interesting exchange as Hosea is prophesying. It is God saying, okay, sky, there's going to be times where you're going to say clouds move in. And clouds, you move in when the sky says move in. And clouds, when the ground says we need rain, then clouds, you release the rain. And then ground, you need to be receptive to that which you've asked for so that harvest can come. Because I'm going to provide for Israel. God not only pursues and protects, but he's creating weather patterns so that there may be a yield of provision to the adulterer. My God. That's why we could sing of his love forever. We could stop right here. Because we've learned that even though we've been adulterous and idolatrous and hypocritical, God pursues us. God wants to restore us. God has set things in motion so he can talk to us. He provides for us so much more. It's just undeserving people receiving unmerited favor. You think what it... That's, that's a, let's stop it right there, altar time, pray, sing, let's do something to express gratefulness and appreciation. But that's not where the story ends. We're trying to get an understanding of, of love that surpasses knowledge. So God says to Hosea, go get her. Hosea leaves his house that day. He not only has to go try to win Gomer back because she's with another man, she now is owned by another man. And when Gomer reaches a certain part of town, he hears a lot of activity. And Gomer's owner has put her into the sex trade, and she's up for auction that day. 
have the scene in your mind. It's right there in Hosea. Read about it. There are all of these people bidding for Gomer, the adulteress, idolatrous, hypocritical wife. And instead of God saying, let them have her, Hosea walks up, raises his hand, and he says, let all the bidding stop. No matter what it costs, I'm going to pay it. Today she's going home with me. I have come to purchase her back. Purchasing back what was already his. Do not all the lights on the dashboard start to go off. As we, the creation of God, suffering the fall of man and filled with the sin nature, living out of that sin nature, enslaved to the world, obedient to sinful and satanic influence, and driven by desire, Jesus came and purchased back what was already his. Can I get a witness in this room? With his own blood, for you see, we are not bought with such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We were on the auction block of sin, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he ransomed, redeemed, he bought us back. Hallelujah. Love that surpasses knowledge. Overwhelming transcending and surprising is the love of God. Can we find words? What could be a summary statement? I'm trying to understand and know love that surpasses knowledge. And the word is my best interpreter of the word. Is is there a summary statement? Yeah. There's a 26-word statement. It's what Max Lucado calls a parade of hope. And here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in and upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It begins with God. It ends with life. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, was reading John 3.16, and when he got to whosoever will, he said he could believe it was for everyone because if God would take John Newton, whosoever will may come. I can say, if God will take Ron Woods, whosoever will may come. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. But if you only knew, Pastor, what I've done, if you, if you knew me, you would know how I've done too much. On your best day, on your best day at your, your optimum success, of living for God, God will not love you any more than he does right now. 
He doesn't love you on a merit that's in you. He doesn't love you because of who you are and what you've done. He doesn't dislike you. He doesn't diss you because of who you are, what you've done. He loves you because he is a God of all grace. And out of his boundless ocean comes a wave of mercy, a wave of grace, a wave of love drawing you back home. My God, it's the power of love. Martin Luther was dying. They wanted to give him medicine to ease the pain. He said, just read John 3.16. For I found in my life that it's the best medicine for both head and heart. To all of those thoughts in your head that say you're not worthy. God can't love you. You've done too much. You've gone too far. I offer up a medicine, an antidote. A remedy. And that is the love of God. If the conviction is heating up, submit to it. If you let God humble you, then you can let God heal you. You see, if you read chapter 2 of Hosea, it's very strong. And it's, it's God talking like we rarely hear him talk. I mean, it's, it's strict and It's drawing a line. It all depends on what side you're on today. You see, water is great when you're thirsty, but it can also drown you. It's how you respond. It's how you're related to it. A space heater in a house can heat up a very cold place and be comforting If improperly used, it can set the house on fire. So it's how you would be related to the heat. It's how you respond. It's how you apply. If you continue to reject the love of God, then I want to tell you, judgment will fall. But if you will surrender and humble your heart, your heart will be healed. And God will do for you what he did for Israel. Lead you, speak to you, restore you, protect you, and establish you because he has purchased you. Hallelujah. Is God, through his Holy Spirit, walking the aisles of this service as Hosea walked the streets of that community looking for the wayward, backslidden, adulterous wife. I think when Hosea purchased Gomer, Gomer felt so guilty. And when she looked into the eyes and saw that pure love of Hosea, that forgiving love, wondering what Hosea would say, I just think... He said, let's go home. You've been gone way too long. He says to her, because she says, you'll be master. He goes, I'm not going to be your master. I'm your husband. You don't come into fellowship at some level that has you on probation. Probation. 
but the full rights of the sons and daughters of God as seen through the story of the prodigal whose father looked because he had been gone too long. And finally, the day came and he started home. The father looking out on the horizon sees his prodigal coming home and he bolts out of the house. And in that culture, the father was not seen running. That would have been degrading. That would have been counterculture. And the father was running and he wraps his arms. You know the story. He wraps his arms around the sun. And do you know that the cultural implication there is that when you would do what that prodigal did, you could be stoned. And here you see the father not only accepting him, but protecting him, saying, if you're going to try to hurt this boy, you're going to have to come through me. Did God not put his wrath on Jesus so that we could be embraced by grace? And then he restored him to the full rights as a son of the house. So Paul says, I pray, I pray that you would know how wide, how deep is the love of God and that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. May he heal us of our backsliding. And may this powerful love draw you home, draw you back to a fiery first love. And may you live in the freedom, may you live in the forgiveness that comes by humbling yourself before God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, now reach, draw, win. If you'd say, Pastor Ron, I need God. I need God. I'm convicted. I'm addicted. I'm lost. I'm I'm sick in my soul. I'm desperate. I need God. I need God. And I want you to know that God has brought you here as he brought Israel to the desert to speak to her. He speaks to you and he says, welcome home. Welcome home. You've been gone too long. I love you. I love you. I forgive you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I'll move heaven and earth for you.